Hello and welcome to our podcast. We are your hosts today, Sydney Day, Schrody Schrodinger, aka Aaron Smith. This one is called the Enneagram Non-Experts. Yes. We would love to say a quick thank you to our sponsors today. Our zero sponsors that we have. We have zero sponsors. Yes. This is a thank you in advance for all of you who will be signing up to sponsor yes. us after Send today. A check. Lots of money. Venmo. We accept anything. Cash app. Anyway, um, moving past that. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning, afternoon, evening. Whatever time and you're And good night. What does uh, Truman say? Good morning. Good evening. If, yeah, have I you ever no seen idea. the Truman Show? I don't know. Well, if you've seen the Truman Show and you'd like to comment what the words are, please yeah. do so. Tell us. But on our show, we say whatever we want. Yeah. So, <laughs> welcome. Good morning. Good evening. Good, good midday. Good night. Yeah. Um, please don't fall asleep to our podcast, though. This is not an invitation to do that. Um, but... What are we doing today, Erin? Well, we are going to interview, drumroll please, a type one. A type one? Yeah, which just happens to be the best type. No, I was going to say no. your type, but. Well, exactly. It was a That's close. Same thing. First is not the worst, but second is the best. We've, we've been over this. But like, wouldn't you rather be number one than number two? Well, I'm just so used to it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is going to be an argument we have to end. Yeah, time. honestly. Um, but yeah, today we have our final interview in our interview series. That's crazy. I know. I mean, wow. it took only, what, seven months to time get flies. here. Um, we started with type nine and worked our way all the way up, you know, save the best for last. And mm, now okay, we're Okay, at- see, this is where we differ again. <laughs> We love the ones, but we also love the twos, and we also love the threes. And all of them. Wow. There's just one that... (laughs) Anyway. Just kidding. um, We're at our final interview today of our series, and so today we are interviewing uh, another type one. I'm really excited for this because I honestly don't think I know really other type ones. There's not a lot of type ones in my life. I feel lonely. Um. (laughs) And so Only I'm, one type one is enough. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, so I'm, really, I'm, I'm excited for this one. And today we're welcoming onto our podcast um, someone that we met through Bar Church. And if you listen to our podcast, you would have heard our type eight interview with Nate, Nate um, who's a founder of Bar Church. And so this is another person in the crew over at Bar Church. Um, that's where we met. and he's It just a, shows how much we love Bar Church. It's true. <laughs> this podcast is is like Enneagram first, but a close second is just advertising for Bar Church. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so today we're welcoming Jordan Murphy on our podcast. Hello, Jordan. Jordan. Hey. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for being here. We're super excited to hear about your journey um, yeah. with the Enneagram. I know you know a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is true. How did you hear about the Enneagram? Oh man, I had to I had to think about this one. I think it was through a podcast actually that I was listening to kind of a emo hardcore post evangelical podcast and they brought it up and I thought that sounded fun and interesting and like a new kind of take on the Myers-Briggs like everyone talks about mm. their their Myers-Briggs thing. So 
Um, I think I looked into it a little bit. I saw the type one and I was like, yeah, that's probably me. And then I kind of let it fade out. Like I was like, uh, you know, it's, it's getting a little culty and a little hard to follow. And so who ended up really getting into it was my wife and my mom and my mother-in-law and they Mm. all read books on it and they just really went in deep. And so I have my wife sending me memes of type one, like making fun of me, but it's like hard <laughs> to, it's hard to fight against that. Cause they always kind of nails me. Cindy, I know we've passed back some, some memes. Um, they're mm-hmm. just too good, but yeah, I've, I've found it through, we'll call it the post evangelical hardcore mm-hmm. community. Um, and I'm not quite sure how it like permeated that group, but it did. Seems to be yeah, really it's popular. It is really popular in that group. Yeah. And I don't think anybody knows why. It just kind of happened. So how did you know then, like, that you were a one? Was it mostly your wife that kind of just told you? Or did you look into it? Yeah. Did you take a test? So at first, I just looked into it and saw the names of the type. And I saw one, okay, reformer, and read the description. I was like, yeah, that sounds like me. And then my wife was like, oh, yeah, you're you're a one for sure. And then I think at some point, I bought the test for both of us, just because I was like, you know, I'm curious. And I was definitely a one, although tied with, you guys are going to have to remind me, it's either type three or type five. What are the names of those ones? Uh, three is the achiever. Yeah. Five is like investigator. investigator. Okay. I think I was one in five, like, and then nothing else. Um, Wow. Yeah. Mm. So confirmed. You have a confirmed one. Yeah. So did you get into like the, the fears and motivations of the types? A little bit, but it's honestly been a while. Um, so any refresher you can give me is helpful, although I suspect I know, like, if I had to guess what my fear would be and tie it back, I would, I could, I think I could guess well. Oh, I kind of want to hear what your guess is. Let's see. Type one, my fear, I think, is losing control or being wrong. Yeah. The one, it's typically like the desire is to be a good person, be seen as a good yeah, person, do definitely. the right thing be correct and mm-hmm. so the fear is like we once have to be correct <laughs> no they are correct don't question me oh, yeah no, they are. <laughs> thank you <laughs> you know i have to say most times that's true <laughs> uh so do you relate to that yeah 100 percent um i've always had this obsession with doing things the right way i love rules um which is a weird thing to say and most people I find don't like them, but I find like comfort in systems and frameworks and rules and lists and rankings, um, almost to like a OCD level. I suspect there's probably a lot of ones out there with OCD. Um, mm. But yeah, I I always read manuals of anything that I do. I follow traffic laws. Mm. Like I'm freakish about parking. Like I will. That would be my actual worst fear. It would be to park in a way that I felt was correct and then get a parking ticket anyway, which has happened. And it's an existential no. crisis for me because <laughs> I'm like, I did everything right. Why won't you just no. believe that? And then I miss like, oh, I was like two inches on the yellow. And then, you know, so oh. one, one problems. 
<laughs> it is. Well, it's funny because that's something I think like a lot of people might not know about the type one is there's this, you put, and tell me if you relate to this, but there's like this, this pressure you put on yourself all the time to do everything correct. And you're trying so hard in every moment to do the right thing, yeah. to follow the rules, to follow the guidelines, to be a good person. And so when any little thing is off, it's like heartbreaking or it really is hard to handle being wrong like that, like getting a ticket when you did everything right. It's really hard for ones oftentimes to come to terms with being wrong or being incorrect because of all the effort that's put in to not doing it wrong. Yes. I think people don't see that. A lot of times on the outside, it can be like, mm -hmm. oh, you're just critical or you know, hypercritical and you're too hard on yourself and you're this. And it's like, well, that's because you're putting all this pressure all the time to try to, to maintain this, this perfection. And so when it doesn't get maintained, it almost feels unfair. <laughs> well, I've got a, a theory to throw at you. I am an oldest child. And I Ooh. think that that is probably connected. I'd be really interested to see like the distribution of all the types across like who's an only child versus a youngest versus a middle. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely your textbook oldest child in the sense that, you know, I, I'm so mature. And uh, no, I, I, I was as a kid. Um, and I think oldest children have that achiever complex and that desire to be good and do good. And that I think ties in a lot to what you're kind of telling me about the one. So it makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. How many younger siblings do you have? I have two younger siblings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we're very different. I mean, if you heard us talk, we would sound the same. We might have like the same mannerisms, but then our interests and just the way we live our lives are super, super different. So. Interesting. Yeah. So were you always, as a kid, did you always even have this sense of duty and responsibility? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. We, uh, my mom took our home videos and took them to Costco and then had them digitized. And we've been every now and then when we get together, we'll just watch them. And watching yourself as a child uh, when you're 28 is really interesting. And I'm like, wow, in a lot of ways I've grown, but in a lot of ways I am totally the same. Like watching me open presents on Christmas, super, I don't rip into things and like, you know, go crazy. <laughs> I'm very meticulously unfolding and I'm even distributing out the presents to my younger siblings or... You know, I'm like, hey, let's make a turn-based system of like going around and let's let's all agree on the plan of how we're going to open these presents before we do it. And I'm seeing yeah. my eight-year-old self do this and be like, oh, yeah, that's – Enneagram nailed me, guys. I, I hate to admit it. <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. Do you remember like being a kid and like why, why you did that? Was there like an expectation from parents or was it just like your own need – um, I, I don't know. I think it's just, it brought me comfort. It was a way mm. to reduce anxiety. So I'm a very, very high anxiety person. I've always been super stressed out in internally though. It's like, you probably wouldn't, I'm pretty regulated when it comes to my external emotions, but, uh, yeah, I would just, it was a mechanism for me to not feel worried about stuff. It's like, Hey, if I can control this, I can do it right. I can have a system then I don't have to think about the rest or like, there's no unknowns. The the unknown, it was always yeah. like kind of the scary thing. Um, so 
I, I mean, my parents, you know, they, maybe there was a little pressure there, um, just being the oldest child, but I think they did a pretty, pretty bang up job, if I have to say. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And then it's just really interesting, the different personalities in, in the rest of my family. And, um, like I know my mom is a type nine wing one, mm. um, which my wife explained to me cause she too is a type nine wing one. Oh. Interesting coincidence, huh? So, yeah, that's that's my. Now I just want to know your whole family. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know what my brothers would be. To be honest with you, we would have to sit here and go through each one, and then I could guess. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I've been told my dad is an eight. Um, mm-hmm. Although I also feel like I'm a lot like him, so I don't I don't know how to well, reconcile that, but. Well, like you said, because eight's biggest fear is out of control. So is it? in okay. yeah, so in the beginning when you were talking about control and um, being wrong, but a lot of times type ones and type eights will also that's a common mistype. Oh, really? Because they can appear similar on the outside. Okay. And fives, so it's funny you mentioned five too. Well, now we just got a few more numbers and then we'll hit all of them. So I'm sure my brothers can, can round us out there, but so yeah, that's, that's my childhood. Interesting. Um, what does your ideal day look like as a type one or as Jordan? Um, probably wake up early. I I'm an early riser. Like my body doesn't really let me sleep in, but I kind of like that Mm -hmm. because then I have my whole day. Um, I love having a full day. Like even if I got rest and it felt good, I would feel like I wasted part of the day, like opportunity wasted Mm -hmm. or something. So Mm -hmm. get up at a decent time. Um, I like to move. The first thing when I get up is like, just move my body. So exercise in some fashion. I love yoga. Been doing a lot of yoga during quarantine, Mm -hmm. made it like a, a daily practice, part of my, my routine. Um, Awesome. Huge believer in a balanced breakfast. So I know there's a lot of people out there that like just do coffee or they're like, oh, breakfast, I don't do it. My mom drilled into me like you will eat breakfast every day. It's got to have the protein, you know, it's rules, it's systems. I can I can do that. Yeah. Um, got to have my coffee, though, for sure. Definitely a caffeine drinker, former barista, just like you guys yeah. um, for many years. And then this is going to sound weird, but I'd probably like do some chores. Because I want to be productive. I want to feel mm-hmm. like I accomplished something. And I've always had this sense that like, you can't have fun until you've done work or like fun can't just exist by itself. But like, let's not go crazy. Let's just like sweep or like wipe down the counters. Um, and then we can get to fun. So then we go and do, I love disc golf. So get outside, do something like stand up paddleboard, um, disc golf, uh, probably friends involved in that. And then um, I love all beverages, like craft beverages, coffee or whatnot. But, you know, then it's then it's beer time after. <laughs> beer um, but I love tasting it. So it's like I, have, mm-hmm. I actually like rate beers and do write ups okay. on them and stuff. I think I've tasted like 2400 unique beers wow wow um yeah love lists and and rankings so I feel like that makes sense and then after that some chill time would be nice like come back play video games love video games work in the video game industry so like a little time to separate from whatever 
social stuff I was doing and, and chill, but then bring it right back and do, I love hosting people. I like cooking for people. Mm. And so like having a barbecue with a bunch of friends, I take that back, not a bunch of friends, because I I would probably get a little overwhelmed with that. Um, Like too much pressure, because I'm already putting so much pressure on myself to like, maybe be a good host, like four, four to six people you know, can have a conversation all together. We can break off like two is too few, eight, eight to 10 is too many. Mm-hmm. And then they all go home at a decent time. And then <laughs> they like, everyone just agrees like, yep, we're going to go home now. Everyone's getting tired and I can crawl into bed and watch a show with Maddie and end the day by reading a book, which I end mm. almost every day reading my, my Kindle. So that would be my perfect day. I think, um, a little alone time, a little friend time, early to rise, early to bed, very, very routine. Some may call it boring, but nothing sounds better. Do you know what your wing is? I don't. Um, does the wing have to be like adjacent to my number? So would it be a nine Mm -hmm. or a two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what the two is? Because I actually don't know. Yeah. So the you. two, I'm a two, is the helper. And so when when you were explaining your day, I, I kind of like picked out a lot of the two in the sense that you like to host and like cook for other people and like mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, caretake in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that element yeah. of hosting because if... I'm going to, I'm going to show my hand here for any, if any of my friends listen to this, they'll, they'll find out my secret. I love hosting and like cooking for people. Although I don't real cook. I just barbecue. Um, not, not a gifted chef, unfortunately, but it allows me to have a task and like Mm -hmm. sometimes being an idle conversation can be awkward. Right. And so it's like, Oh shit, I got to go flip the burgers or like if I ever get stressed out, I'll just start cleaning and be like, Oh yeah, I got to go do this and like clean. And it's usually my way of just grounding myself and maybe escaping like social awkwardness. So if I ever ditch you at a party to go clean, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sign that we're being awkward. Yeah. That's interesting. So your day, your ideal day is, is, is busy. Like you got a lot going Mm -hmm. on. You like to stay busy like that? I taskmaster for sure. Like I build task lists for myself. I love filling up the whole day, being super efficient with it. And then what I'll do to offset that is I'll I'll plan in a day, not nearly enough, um, hopefully once a week, but honestly, probably not even that, to just absolutely do nothing and spend it completely alone. And okay. I'll go do like I'll go get a massage. Or um, have you guys ever heard of like a sensory deprivation float tank? Yes, I love those. Yeah, so I, I actually signed up for a membership, and it's changed my life. But we can go there if you want. Um, I love that. Just sitting, laying in this Epsom salt bath for an hour in total darkness. Maybe listening to music, maybe not. But that's how I would offset like all of the busyness. Or maybe I just take a whole day to play video games and go into my little dungeon and and don't come out. Um, and that's a total, total recharge for me. So, Mm. yeah. Awesome. I also heard you say that, um, and this is super, super, super common among type ones, which is why I'm pointing it out. But this idea of you struggle with having 
fun until you've kind Mm -hmm. of completed some sort of productive work. So how does that play out in your day to day? Hmm. It, it does make it really hard to have fun. Um, it can make it hard to get excited about things. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Brene Brown, but I was reading one of her books and she said that she had this chapter on, um, living disappointed to avoid feeling disappointed, which is kind of related Mm -hmm. to this idea. Um, but it's like, I won't get myself worked up about anything in a positive way because I don't want to be let down if it doesn't happen. And so I preemptively like invite disappointment into my life. So I'm trying to work on this, but I'm acknowledging it's, it's part of my, part of my character traits. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like everything has a time and a place for me. And I think in a lot of ways that like helps me really organize my life and be very efficient so I can get all this stuff done. But in a lot of other ways, it's like, well, I tend to not be as flexible of a person, maybe as much as I would want to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a common challenge from my friends who know me well is like, just let go, be flexible, don't plan. And I'm like, that's a nightmare. (laughs) You're just, you're describing a literal nightmare to me. Um, But I've learned like, a couple times, if I like go on a vacation, usually I'm planning weeks in advance and I love the planning of it. I've tried to take some opportunities lately to like have someone else just take it all and literally not think about it. And uh, that can work. I've learned to make that work. Cool. So it's like, how do I, how do I find the balance there? You know? Yeah. Do you ever, I know this is another common trait of the ones and something I struggle with, probably one of my like my worst qualities that I'm trying to work on is when it comes to giving other people responsibility, like you're saying, like it's great to give someone else the reins, let them do it. You don't have to worry about it. I agree. Awesome. But when I give someone else the reins, I am sitting there, uh, you know, backseat driving the whole time, watching over them, making sure they're doing it all right. (laughs) And it's almost worse than just doing it myself. Do yeah. you ever, do you struggle with that? Or are you at a place now where you can just let that go? No, I out? definitely struggle with that. That's that you just described um, the cause of maybe three out of five fights between Maddie and I <laughs> is her mm-hmm. trying to like make my life easier by doing something for me because uh, we maybe we'll touch on love languages, but acts of service is definitely mm-hmm. mine giving and receiving. And so yeah. she'll go try to do something for me and be really nice about it. And then I'll come back and like check over her work. Uh, and I am not always gentle with the critiques. Uh, and I usually always have them because I am a total perfectionist. And yeah. like I'm sitting in this room that she painted for me because she knew I was like working like 60, 70 hours a week, just really stressed. And she wanted to do this. And then I came in and I was like, well, the lines aren't really clean and, you know, you've got some pain over here and it was not pretty. Uh, it was not a pretty conversation. So oh, man. no, I need to learn how to delegate for sure. And one day if yeah. I ever like manage people at work, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that when we yeah. get there. <laughs> That's where like, I think a big lesson for type ones and Speaking of work, my my work has helped teach me this. We have this whole phrase about like recognizing best intent in other people. Uh, yes. And I think that's a huge lesson for the one is like 
come with gratitude first. Yep. Like I struggle. I'm same as you, right? Like it's like I can recognize someone just did something so nice for me, but I'm going to notice everything that was missing or wrong. Yes. And it's hard not to, but being able to be like, look, before we point out the flaws or notice them first, thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's like, exactly what my wife said is like, even if you want to say that I didn't do something X way, like at least just acknowledge that I did it and know that I didn't purposely try to mess up the line. And, right. you know, sometimes I'll take it so personally, like, why would you do this? It's like, oh, you were just trying to do your best and you have different standards. Like watching the two of us yeah. try to hang a photo, very different process. I will get out every tool. Yeah. I will measure everything. And she'll just be like, mm, this looks like a good place for a hole. Boom. Well, it's level mm. enough, you know, and I'll just be like, oh, I'm dying inside. But oh pick your God. battles. Marry, you? marry a nine if you're a one. Yeah. That's my advice. <laughs> it'll, it'll give you lots of patience and grow you as a human. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Do you struggle? So I know we talked a lot about your really, you like rules, you like procedures if someone were to give you something and not give you much rules, like, let me, let me think of an example. Well, cooking, for example, you said you're, mm. you're not maybe great in the kitchen. You mentioned. I can cook Is, with rules. If I yes, have explicit so that was my, rules. That was my question. Like, I think like, what if someone was like, Hey, no recipe. I want you to make your own version of blank, a quiche. Would that be really hard for you to like, mm -hmm get creative with it. Absolutely. I could eventually get there if I had a couple, like if I found a few recipes that were very explicit and tried it first with the recipes mm. and felt comfortable enough that like, Hey, I understand how a quiche works now. Now I'm going to go do my own thing. And I've actually been doing that with banana yeah. bread during COVID. That was my, everyone's picked up a COVID hobby. Um, yeah. mine, mine was banana bread. Uh, and so I started with this recipe and it was like, oh, that turned out pretty good. Now I'm going to add chocolate chips or I'm going to try this oil instead. Or, um, So I have to like set a baseline essentially first in order for yeah. me to branch mm -hmm. away from from the rules to give away my, my comfort blanket of uh, yeah. the lists and stuff. You've got to first know what the rules are and have an understanding for them before you start to veer off and do your own thing. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. That's interesting because yesterday we were all playing cornhole and you had said the most one oneest thing ever because you wanted to know all the specific rules and like <laughs> how far far apart should the cornholes be? Like how many points are each thing? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, I, and everybody else that. was just like, just play. Yeah, just and throw I'm it like, in. No, no, no. <laughs> I've seen friendships end over cornhole rule disputes. So you gotta you gotta get that shit figured out up front. You agree on the rules and then you play. Because yes. man, yeah, yeah it, it can get ugly. Yeah, you, games you get a type eight in there. It's over. Oh no. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, awesome. Well, uh, we'll move on to some more questions. I know yeah. we're kind of going on some tangents, but um, love to hear what your favorite music genre is and why. What is it you like about it? Yeah, I, I like this question a lot, although I'm going to be a total hypocrite because I'm going to say that one of the things that I really don't like about this question normally is people always try to be like, 
oh, I like all genre. I like all music. It's like you're trying to be really woke or really like, oh, look at how I don't want to upset anyone or I want to seem like I'm really cultured. Um, so I like to think about questions like this where people take that escape route and say, no, if you yeah. can only listen to one for the rest of your life, like someone came and mm. took away all music except for one for you. Um, I do like all genres and I'll tell you about, I have a freakish OCD, a perfect type one example of how I listen to music because it's very mm. specific, but I'll give you the answer to the question, which is jazz or classical. And I think that's probably a type one mm. answer if I've ever heard mm. one. And it's because to me, that's just like, it's not only the foundation of so much music because of the history, yeah. it's like also the pinnacle. It's very technical. Um, mm. And there's just so much you can do within those genres that if I had to pick one genre, it would be one of those. Cause there's a lot of different ways you can go with like lots of different types of jazz out there. So there's just something classic mm. about it too. I just like the old school feeling. So do you like it because of like the, I don't know, because of those reasons you said, like it's kind of foundational, it's kind of mathematic almost in a mm -hmm. way. Is that why? Or is it just like you genuinely just enjoy how it sounds or both? Both. I would also say like you really, in those genres in particular, you're really seeing someone's musicianship at the peak, pinnacle level. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to also really like in other genres, just if a singer's a really, really good vocalist and they're like mm -hmm. just above their class, I love that. Even if I don't really like the genre, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not so much into the music, but I can appreciate a good voice. It's like whatever it's it's the being best or being right. It's like to me, jazz or classical is like being right in music, if that makes huh. sense. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, and you're you play piano, too. And so. Mm -hmm that might add to your appreciation of jazz and classical mm -hmm. because there's a lot of it's piano based oftentimes. Totally. Yeah. And do no. you play jazz and classical music? Not really. No. Um, I can play like some contemporary classical stuff. Um, but I've, I've always wanted to, it just, I only took lessons for like two years and then I kind of taught myself the rest of the way. And I feel like with those mm -hmm. two genres, and this might be a one thing as well. Like, I don't want to do it unless I can fully devote myself to it and do it well and right. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have the time or I guess, yeah. you know, I have the time as so I don't have the, everyone has the time to do what they want, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to dip my toe into that unless I'm ready to dive in. And so yeah. the way I play piano right now is just like a total contemporary, like easy, just jamming, messing around nothing too serious. Yeah. When I imagine jazz would be a hard genre for a type one to learn because <laughs> improvisation, though it, yeah, no. though it has rules like quote, quote rules, you are supposed to break all of them. Yep. Like exactly. that's jazz. It's like, Hey, here's this chord, do whatever you're going to do with it. That's so um, interesting. Yeah. And yet it's, I love it yet. I love listening to yeah, it. Yeah. So I don't know. What does that say? <laughs> I know. Maybe it's healthy for a type one to have. That's my outlet. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, yeah. I can't give up uh, sh cooking instructions, but I can listen to jazz. 
Well, we have this like theory about the music genres. I don't know that it's totally being proven true over all of our episodes, but I, I'm still going to um, stand strong I, in it. I stand with you. Yeah. We stand together. That music genre, like in general, you're, whatever you enjoy listening to is like your outlet for what you need. Like mm. I... I always speak about mine being I really like just very calm music. I like like the Lumineers. It's simple. Mm -hmm. It's there's not like too. It's not busy. Simple guitar, acoustic, easy vocals, whatever. Because it brings me peace, which is something that yeah. I'm lacking a lot of the time in my brain. Like I am like crazy brain up here, and so I need that to get me to a place. Do you have like all the things you have to do? Right. The brain's yeah. so busy. So having music that's also busy is like not helpful. Yeah, that makes total having, sense. Yeah. And and then we have, we've said this in a million of our episodes, but like one of our friends who's a type nine, she like loves metal music. Oh, me too. And like, mm -hmm. and <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. And we're like, that's because she's so, you know, nines, you know, with people in your life is like very, they can be passive. They can struggle with letting oh, their anger out. So that's yeah. like her outlet to get what she needs is mm -hmm. this, this rage. Oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a theory. Where I like, I like that theory. <laughs> I can definitely see the metal thing, like needing the outlet. Um, yeah. No, I've been to my fair share of metal shows and, you know, been to warp tour and and whatnot it's a it's, oh, a, wow. it's a fun genre yeah, i was into it more when i was younger but um i said i was going to tell you about my my little music system hopefully i don't come across as too ocd but i love building my own playlists like i know spotify will go do stuff for you and it's pretty good but <laughs> there's just something about building a list or a ranking mm -hmm. or something or like labeling that's fun. And so I like to do my own little time capsule thing because I know they give you your like, oh, here's what you listen to this year. And it's like, yeah, that's what I listen to the most, but it's not everything. And so every You're like, Friday, I could do this better. yeah, exactly. <laughs> every Friday, I sweep all the new music that I like and I'll go on Metacritic and mm -hmm. actually look at like the ratings and say, hey, anything above a 90, like, I don't care if I don't listen to it it's gotta be good. People said it was good, right? Wow. It's right. It's been deemed right by society and the critics. <laughs> and then I put it in like a holding tank playlist. And then if I like it, then I put it into a, I have like years and years labeled of playlists. Oh and then God. from there, I take everything I listen to in a year. And at the end of the year, I take the top 10 or top 20 and put that into, Hey, here's this year, but it's the best ones. And now I've got oh this whole God. archive of everything I was listening to going back to 2015, I think. And then me and my wow. friends love to talk about it. And we, you know, philosophize yeah. on, on why our lists are better than each other's and, <laughs> and whatnot. But so your friends do this, this are they too. All want, are Not to, I don't think to that you? degree. Um, yeah. I think they just listen to what they listen to and then put it in a playlist and, you know, but yeah. I'm like, maybe, maybe Metacritic's involved or, or something. But I just thought, you know, yeah. I, I was thinking about this question, like, what's my favorite genre? And I thought, well, that's an interesting thing that I think I can tie back to my, my oneness is like yeah, 100%. system I've set up, which is a little freakish, but whatever. I like it. It's funny you bring up ranking systems too, because I didn't know that this was like a type one thing. Um, maybe it's just an us thing, but <laughs> maybe it's universal for ones, but I absolutely love ranking things. Yeah, you, like I do, there's this website called tier maker it's and that's those, where you do all the TV shows. Yeah. Right? Don't tempt like me, Sydney. 
Don't give me another outlet. (laughs) It's so fun and it's so silly. And it's like to anyone else, this would be such a waste of time because I am ranking things that like don't really matter, like TV show characters. And then we argue about the rankings a lot. Yeah. That's the best. Then you get to defend your, your territory, you know? Yes. And it's so important to me. Like, I'm like, I have to put so much thought into this about Mm. who do I actually think deserves to be at the top. And then I'm like, it's not just the character that I personally like the most. It's like, who was written the best? Who had the best arc? Who do Mm. I also like? It's like all this that brings them to the top. And it's so funny because we'll talk about it. And Aaron's like, oh, I just love this person. So they're at my top. And I'm like, that's not enough. Not just loving them. You have to. Oh, man. Well, I was right in that case because they probably were the best character. That that is reminding me uh, also of talking to Maddie about stuff like this. Like, she'll just be like, I just like it because I like it. Or why'd you do this? I don't know. I just did it. And I was like, no, you have to have a reason. She's like, no, I don't. No, I don't. And I can't compute. But then she can't compute why I can't let it go and you know it's yeah people are different it's weird um <laughs> so funny well um actually speaking of that do we want to like be a little wild oh for the gosh. one episode and change the order of our questions whoa are we oh. thinking of we're talking about tv shows oh yes <laughs> i do love tv shows do you know what question we're gonna ask yeah i think so <laughs> is there a tv show or movie character you relate to most and why Yes, definitely. Um, I, I feel really good about this answer. I think I found. Are the... you okay with us changing the order of questions? Of course. Yeah. Okay. It says this is your show. I should have cleared with both of the ones here. The the, the <laughs> ultimate rightness is that you it's your show, and so you get to decide the rules. I I feel like so that yeah. that supersedes the rightness of the list of and the and the mm-hmm. order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I found the ultimate one example in mm. pop culture Hermione Granger from Harry Potter oh yeah that's crazy we talk about that all the time <laughs> really okay yeah very, was Sydney. very happy with that answer um so tell us more why how do you relate to her and you have to do an impression uh, <laughs> we'll see we'll see if we can get to the impression um I gotta I gotta build up my you know my inner Hermione she just she studies super hard She's all about work and not so much about fun. Like you can see her throughout the whole like narrative cycle struggling to to relate to people because she's really like, I'm going to work and achieve and get stuff done. And I'm only going to do things the way that they're supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. You, you see her like really struggling to break rules. And like she only mm-hmm. finally breaks rules when it's usually a life and death kind of thing. But then later she becomes more and more fun, more and more willing to break rules mm-hmm um for her character development but like at her core she's she's a rule follower who loves knowledge i love learning um it's got to be like my number one goal is learn as much as i can and then to like achieve my best self and help other people achieve their best self but um and i think she's into that too like she's always pushing harry and ron being like can't you guys see how dumb you are can't you just do it this way you know it would be better like i know i'm right don't don't yes exactly (laughs) um but i also think it's cool because i think a critique that i would get or people might label me as like uptight or emotionless Mm -hmm. or whatever and you see right after that line ron's like well she needs to sort out her priorities and then she (laughs) she hears it 
and she's crying and like no like yeah. type ones have emotion too and like you can hurt their feelings and like you know maybe I don't know it's it's definitely yeah I struggled with this question and then I actually think Maddie came up with it maybe but I feel really mm. good about it and I got one more for you too I'm gonna give you a, yeah. a bonus Captain America yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I listened to the Nate episode. You guys talked a lot about the Avengers. Um, but think about like the most, most principled, like yeah. superhero mm-hmm. who's all about honor, loyalty, like just He's my the... favorite. Really? He says Wanda. Yeah. Okay. Does it have anything to do with the fact that, I mean, Chris Evans is a, a gorgeous human being. <laughs> I think it's more like what you were saying. Like he's just a good person. And I feel like there's, all the other ones have so many flaws. I this is true. Yeah. All of them have pretty fatal flaws. What's interesting about Captain America to me is kind of similar in his character development. Like you start to see him actually question, wait, what is right? What does it mean for something to be morally correct or right? And this is honestly something I've struggled with. I feel like for the last five years that ties into like the oneness of wanting to be right. It's like, that whole concept is culturally dependent. It's geographically dependent. It's dependent on the time that you're in. It depends on the type of person you are. And so for me as a one to be like, this is right because it was defined this way by the government, my parents, whoever, I mean, that changes over time. And you see Captain America struggle with that when he's like, oh, I have to betray my government because I see this other thing is actually more right. And I would have never known that until I was put into this like life or death thing. So what it's telling me, I'm going to get real deep on this Captain America thing, is mm-hmm. I need to, like, anytime I my be-rightness rears its head, I should pause, take a breath, and say, well, why is this right? Why do I think it's right? Who told me it was right? And And are there other alternatives? And I said, like, one of my goals was to be, like, achieve my highest self and help others achieve theirs. But... It's mm-hmm. usually through the lens of how do I help other people achieve my idea of their highest self? Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying to shift to, well, what is what does their highest self look like from their perspective? And can my my one ego take a back seat for a minute? And yeah. once I've then redefined what's right for that person, then it's like, oh, here's how I can now better support you and encourage you instead of trying to fit you into this this box of what yeah. I think you should be. So Captain America really good inspiration for for redefining morality. Yeah, you've hit on so many important things with with what you just said about both Hermione and 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 Cap. One thing I want to say is when you said, you know, it's important if you want to help others achieve their highest self, you know, putting in your your oneness, your idea of what that means, um kind of on the back burner mm-hmm. for for their sake. That is one actually reason why I've loved the Enneagram so much because it has helped me as a as a type one where I think we can get caught up in like I know the best way and the right way and I don't understand that other people have different versions of that. Like mm-hmm. it has it's kind of a superiority complex. Like you just don't understand, you're just not smart enough to know the right way. But learning the Enneagram and seeing these different like deeper fears in people and what motivates them and strengths as well is like so helpful in exactly what you just said, being able to say like, okay, you are a completely different person with different goals, different thoughts, different feelings, different upbringing and what you need 
to grow is very different from what I need to grow. And And, well, and as an outside outsider, not a type one, I love learning about the Enneagram because it, it helped me understand like, like, for example, like your intentions with some things, like if somebody like a type one were to like correct or do something, I'm like, Oh, they're, they're trying to help me. They want Mm -hmm. the best for me because that's what they see the best as. Yeah. Well, and that, that's a great point. That was another thing I was going to say, Jordan, about you said that about um, Hermione and like when she's, she's like just telling Harry and Ron, like, you know, she sees their potential and knows they can be better than what they're doing. And I want to, that it's exactly what you just said, Erin, mm-hmm. that like, that's something I, that people should know about the ones is like, it, it comes across as critique and comes across as this negative thing. And like you mentioned the word uptight. Yeah. And, but it's, it's coming from this place of, of pure pureness and love. And like, I just want to see you succeed and do well. And I I want to see you thrive. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's important. It's important for like friends of type ones to know that. And then it's also important for type ones, you know, us as type ones to learn how to communicate that in a gentler way. (laughs) Yes. But, but understanding that like, it is, it's a pure intention. And I don't think you walk around um, thinking like, wow, everybody sucks. And I'm just going to point out everything that sucks about them because I want them to have a shitty day. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about actually helping. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think that's that idea of using the Enneagram to understand people's intentions has actually been, I'm going to keep bringing it back to my marriage, but it's really helped Mm. me and my wife understand each other because ones and nines, even though they're next to each other, I feel like are very different. And I do feel like my wife and I are very different. And so she can learn that, Hey, when I'm critiquing you, it's not because I think you're terrible or Mm -hmm. just, I want to make you feel bad. It's, um, it's coming from a certain place. And then I can understand like, oh, a nine really struggles with critique because they want harmony. And how can I deliver this message in a way? Um, or how can I even just tone it down and maybe like be a little more choosy with when I'm going to critique? Um, because I know mm-hmm. that again, her intent was good and that she's also sensitive to to that kind of stuff. So no, it's yeah. it's been a really good tool. I think it would be really good in the workplace too. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny, like after the Enneagram, another tangent here, Maddie went hard into, and is still kind of into like the horoscopes and the the signs, mm-hmm. you know, Capricorn and, and Pisces and all that stuff. And that one, not going to lie, really bothers me. I was trying to think about, do I like the Enneagram or not? And I think ultimately I do, although Nate, really funny, called you guys right out. He's like, there's CrossFit, there's vegans, and then there's Enneagram cult. And yeah, there is to a degree, but I think the the pros outweigh the cons. But for me, the horoscope stuff, and there's a lot of obvious ways that it's different, but I just hear too many people say, well, she is a Libra. Like you use it as an excuse to be a shitty person. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you did something terrible. Um, Just chalk it up to your sign and walk away and then you're excused. And with the Enneagram, it's like, no, this is actually about identifying things so that you can ultimately change like and and not necessarily change your type, but move towards the I've I've heard the unhealthy and the healthy. And I know Mm -hmm. I think every type when they're healthy emulates another type and when they're unhealthy Mm -hmm. emulates a. Uh, a different type so you guys should tell me what my 
what my unhealthy and healthy types are. So I, yeah. I can be on the lookout. It's super interesting. The type one, so in, in health and in growth, uh, shows up similarly to a type seven, which is interesting mm-hmm. because sevens are almost the complete opposite of ones. Oh. Spontaneous. They're okay. spontaneous. I can see fun. that. Um, Their motivation is to be happy. Yeah. Just having a good time. Okay. Um, and so that's where you know when you're looking healthy and like if you want to challenge yourself to grow, you know, try to emulate some of those behaviors of type sevens in your life of like letting things go, <laughs> hmm. you know, going with the flow, being able to relax and have fun, all the things that one struggle with. So that's growth um, in stress and in, in unhealthy times, ones go to the type fours Um and show up as kind of their worst, the worst qualities of the fours, which is like being withdrawn, kind mm. of feeling sorry for yourself. Um, wow. Yeah. I really, kind of I, I see both of those things. Spirals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. that's, that makes me feel like I'm on the right path then. Cause I think one of my biggest goals lately and something I've been working through in, in therapy is, is the idea of letting go and just mm-hmm. like not needing to control or hold on. And I think there's a, there's an interesting balance that's required when you're a type one to, to you, you want to grow, right? You want to be good. You want to improve. And I think that's awesome. And I'm going to keep doing that. But like, how do you also learn to accept yourself? Mm-hmm. And I feel like ones probably have a pretty hard time just like loving themselves and accepting that they are good people already. It's like, Hey, you're already a valuable, great yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm really trying to like, always been a one, always will be a one, I think. But how do I lean into that? Like, no, I, I, I have good instincts. I don't need to go check the internet and read a million articles or like get the opinions of 30 people, which I would totally do. I mean, I'm a textbook yeah. over-researcher when it comes to buying anything. But how do, I, how do I start to lean into the, well, I've got 28 years of life under my belt, which isn't a lot, but hey, I, I think I made some good choices. And, you know, some of those choices came came from within me and can I learn to trust myself and accept and and in that might actually be personal growth yeah it's really it's it's so interesting too because the um the one this is getting into a little more complicated parts of the Enneagram but the one and the two and the six are in what's called the dependent stance and so it's like you said like they are looking for outside reassurance and like rules coming Mm -hmm. from elsewhere. So they're the three types that are way Mm -hmm. more like relying on other people and relying on feedback from other people and relying on um, knowledge and understanding from others. And so I love that you said that. Makes a lot of sense. Because it is growth to get out of that and be like, no, you know what? I trust myself and what's right for me is right for me. And only I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I say it like it's super easy, but no, it's actually one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> Learning to love yourself. Yeah, 100%. Okay, speaking of. Yep. You mentioned it earlier, but. Oh, love is... languages. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the words right out of my mouth. Sorry, I'm just, you know, I'm so excited. No. Um, <laughs> this one's a, an easy one for me. I It's acts of service, um, and I'll I'll talk about giving and receiving. And then I also quality time giving and receiving. And then the other three, whatever, like words of affirmation, Mm -hmm. this is going to sound harsh, but like words can be pretty empty to me. It's like actions that matter. (laughs) 
Um, so even when I get like praise at work, um, or someone's like, oh, you did a good job. It's like, yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I should try to do better to like be more grateful and, and take that moment. Um, gifts. I do like giving gifts. Uh, me and gifts have a weird relationship cause I have, I'm a Christmas baby. So I was born mm -hmm. two days after Christmas. And so it's like, I don't know. It's just a childhood of getting gypped on gifts. Um, but yeah. I like, I like giving them. I don't not like receiving them, but it's just pales in comparison to the acts of service. Cause I am so busy and I do that to myself, but then when someone can take on that burden with me, it's like, wow, I really recognize that sacrifice that you, you took to, to make this happen. And I don't know why it just really speaks to me. And then for me to give that is very easy because I'm already used to like mm -hmm. tasking around. So if someone needs something done, I was like, yeah, just throw it on my list. No problem. Jordan, you're speaking my language. I've like never felt so. Seen. Do you feel seen? Do you feel validated? Oh my god! I'm it, looking at my, you right now. The the words <laughs> the words of affirmation. So my best friend Aaron and my boyfriend are both type twos, and words of affirmation is like top of their list. Ah, and okay. I struggle with giving it because I don't care about receiving it. I'm mm -hmm. like you, and it's funny because this came up yesterday, or maybe even this morning. My boyfriend was like giving me a compliment, and I was like, "Yeah, thanks." And he's like. I'm realizing that you are not affected at all when I tell you nice things. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't, it's like you said, the words are, they can be empty. They're not. The thing is they're not empty when it comes from you. When it comes from him, you mean it. But to me, I'm kind of like, yeah, so what? Yeah. That's how I feel like, about some people like, yeah. Who say it too much. Yeah. You say know, it too much. Yeah, it's true. Oh yeah. So when it comes to words of affirmation, are you, um, it doesn't affect you much receiving it. Do you, do you like to give words of affirmation? Is that uncomfortable for you? I am terrible at it. So if you have advice. Um... Yeah, you should practice it on me. <laughs> I try to go out of my way. I try to make sure I'm, and, and it's mostly inspired from Maddie because she'll tell me and be like, mm -hmm. hey, I like words of affirmation. And, and if you yeah. did that more, it would actually help offset the criticism or even help me receive the criticism better when, mm -hmm. when we're going in that territory. Um. So I try to do better at it. I think I just give words of affirmation in a different way, though. And I don't know how to articulate what way that is. Uh, but I said I'm pretty, like, regulated in terms of external emotion. So it's, yeah. you know, uh, I, it might seem not genuine, but I don't know. I try. That's all I can say. Yeah. And I just think it, it probably comes across differently to different people. But if you really take time to get to know me, then I'm sure mm -hmm. you can figure out when I'm trying to compliment you or something but it's yeah. it's definitely a muscle I got to work out whereas like acts yeah. of service is like boom ready to go 100% that makes so much sense and this is another thing just like the music genres where we're working on this theory that your type really has an influence on your love language and I'm mm. not surprised at all to hear that the type one is that you as a type one and like acts of service like that's the most natural because your ones are task oriented and like to be productive and get things done yep. so giving it like you said comes easy and receiving it is great because it takes something off your plate if uh, you do it correctly yeah if you do yeah <laughs> what what's the fifth one i i'm blanking physical touch oh physical touch yeah i don't really like being touched which is, I don't know if that's a weird thing. Um, it's like 
Maddie. That's it. She's the only one who can touch me and anyone else. Like I will hug people like, Oh, see you later. Like quick hug. But some people are very touchy and yeah, that, that just puts me off. I don't know why. Me too. Something I'm learning is like another, like to talk about cultural differences again, like hang out with anyone from Mm -hmm. South America Mm -hmm. or like certain parts of Europe and you meet them for the first time. You learn their whole life story. They want to hug you, maybe kiss on the cheek. Like it's just a whole different thing. You got to, got to process, but it's good. If there's one thing I really value almost just as much as being right, it's like (laughs) obtaining, it's, it's more about wisdom through perspective. And so I actually love having different types of friends and different types of music genres. Like I just want to know everything that's out there and have it be a part of my life. Cause I feel like then it's feeding into me. And even mm-hmm. though I am this like pretty, say a strict one, I at least know what it's like to, to have visibility to whatever else, whatever we're talking about, music types of people, countries, mm-hmm. whatever. So, yeah. I don't know if you feel the feel same. Like that's almost Sydney. like leaning into your to your nine wing. Ooh, maybe. Maybe bit. we just found. Well, we did, earlier said it was the helper, which makes sense too. You go we both go ways. Back. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it kind of the wings are a little less like rigid. Like you might lean into one at certain times, lean into okay. the other at other yeah. times. There's usually one though that you lean into more. Got it. When I'm stressed, I lean into my one. Like yeah. at home, especially if I'm stressed, everything has to be perfect. Okay. It'll stress mm-hmm. me out. Yeah, but like the the one the one wing two is typically more kind of social and like a lot more um, of like the advocate, you know, like going out mm-hmm. doing doing the like social justice work and being very mm-hmm. action oriented, okay. social. The one wing nine is more um, kind of watching from the sidelines and that's definitely me yeah i like yeah, to just I'm chill nine a little more than a two yeah and you're just kind of quietly processing critiquing. yep <laughs> exactly yeah yeah um well we have i think just one more question just gonna end it on that wow question. yeah we are ending right. this one on a, a deep deep oh middle. man um i'm excited what? What is your relationship with anger? And just explore, like, how do you handle like stress? Mm. What makes you angry? Anything that really sets you off? And then how do you process and react? Wow, that is a doozy of a last question, but yeah. I'm here yeah. for it. Um, <laughs> I, I would be really interested to hear what other people who know me have to say about this, because I almost feel like it's not fair to answer this for myself, mm-hmm. but... I'll do it anyways. Um, I don't consider myself a super angry person. Like I've said a couple times, I'm like pretty regulated in terms of emotions. Um, and anger is not a primary emotion that I can really identify with. And you actually posted something the other day that said ones aren't angry. They're just frustrated. And that a hundred percent explains that that's the best way I can articulate it is like, it is really hard for me to get truly angry, like fiery at someone. And even if I get to that point, like probably the only person who's going to hear about it is Maddie. Cause otherwise I'm just going to hold it in. Um, but no, I will get frustrated or I will feel like something is unjust. 
It's like, yeah. oh, the universe didn't play out the way that I thought, or I, I followed all the rules and I got a parking ticket. Like that will piss me mm-hmm. off, but it will be more of like a disappointment or a frustration mm-hmm. than a, I'm fucking pissed, you know? Um, stress, I can really identify with though. Like stress and anxiety has been like, I have no nails, um, bit my nails off since I was a, a young lad. Um, and (laughs) tons of other like little stress ticks and stuff and you know it's um thank goodness for like this resurgence or first you know wave of this mental health kind of awakening because it's really Mm -hmm. given me a lot of tools to figure out how to deal with that and even just recognize like oh yeah I have a lot of anxiety and you don't just have to Mm -hmm. live with that um there there are things you can do so yeah, I I would channel things into stress, but it's more of like a worry than an anger, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Well, and um, I heard this described before as there's so ones are part of the anger triad, which is eights, nines, and ones, mm-hmm. and which these types all relate to anger differently, but they're part of the anger triad. And I've heard it explained before as like you have a soda bottle of soda, shake it up. And the type eight is you take the lid off and it explodes. (laughs) Yes. I've seen that. Yeah. The type nine is the lid is completely closed and it's shaking all on the inside. Nothing's Mm. coming out. The type one, the lid is just slightly released. So Uh. it's coming out. This, this, you know, explosion on the inside is coming out, but slowly, just consistently, but never explosive. And I love that because I think that really relates to that frustration piece is like it might be this deeper kind of what, what people call anger, but it never appears as anger because it's not actually ever coming out full force because you're letting it out wow. as frustration yes. all the time. Um, just that's a really good, good yeah. yeah. I wish I came up with it, but <laughs> well, oh, you want a soda? I, yeah, <laughs> like, all right, what's your soda of choice? Quick, quick tangent. I ask the questions like, now. Just kidding. Soda. Mm-hmm. I don't like soda. Probably root beer or Fanta, orange Fanta. Well, two very different answers, but I like them both. Yeah. Sydney, come on, some carbonated to... carbonated beverage doesn't have to be soda. If... Well, then I like like a um, your favorite Lacroix like Izzy's, flavor. Like I don't know about Lacroix. No, <laughs> <laughs> they're too. I like like the more fruity ones. Like it, Izzy is fruity. definitely a soda. So okay, well, there I, would, you go. I would call it a soda. Like a sparkling juice. I'm yeah. I'm, a, I'm a classic Diet Coke guy. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Coke, not Pepsi. No, never Pepsi. Never. <laughs> Coke Zero is okay too, but anyways, um, back to anger. I like that <laughs> so much. Um, I might use that mm-hmm. if I ever need to. I like it. it yeah, I agree. I, it is that slow release that almost it masks the fact that you are angry because it's coming across yeah. as something different. Um, because, and I think it's because of like the ones really want to. I know you said it was maybe fives or something that try to have control. But it is like, no, you're trying to regulate, you're trying to retain your best and highest self. And you recognize this as like an intruder to that, but you can't Mm -hmm. help 
but feel it. Like you still have to feel your feelings. So, and, and I guess my way to cope with that is like project a million different futures and get worried about every single one of them. Think about all of the things I've said in the past and like Mm. everything related to whatever the topic that's making me angry is, is then instead going to spark like this, this fight or flight response. Yeah. No. But you never have that the anger come up because that would be bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you shouldn't, you yeah. should not feel this emotion. It's, it's a negative emotion. So how do you kill you definitely it? Definitely should not express it. Yeah, but you can never kill yeah. an emotion. You just have to replace it with something yeah. else. And so I'll replace it with severe anxiety. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I have one last question. We are like, I know it's been a long episode here, but um, it would not be a type one episode if I didn't bring up the inner critic. This is something that is like known among type ones to have this, what they call an inner critic. And that can come across as like just a voice in your head. That's always kind of, it relates back to the rules, telling you what Mm -hmm. to do, what you're doing wrong, what needs to be corrected mostly I think what's related to the inner critic is like everything you're doing wrong. And some people hear it as like literally your own voice in your head. Some people have like a parental voice in their head, kind of back to childhood. It's different for everyone, but it seems to be common among type ones. Mm -hmm. Do you experience that at all? (sighs) How do I emphatically say yes? Um, I'll just say yes. (laughs) I, I, I was trying to be clever, but yeah, hundred uh, percent. I would say I am my own worst critic and I have a constant inner dialogue. Um, and I actually have a, you can see over here, so your listeners won't see it, but I'll describe it. A list of thoughts that pop into my head that are positive so that I can anchor to those because I'm usually running a reel of negative self-talk. And a lot of this is wow. like, we talked about Brene Brown earlier, but you know, I have some quotes from her and then I have stuff that I've journaled in my own head because my inner critic is so strong. Like the only way to combat it is to, to anchor to something visual and oh, wow. fight it with everything I have. And that's like, honestly, one of the biggest things in therapy that I've tried to work on because yeah, mm-hmm. I am I'm pretty awful to myself, spoiler alert. Yeah. And I don't know why, because it's like, we talked about trusting yourself. And I, I, if I step back, it's like, Oh, I do think I'm a good person and I have done good things in life, but there's this part of me that just cannot accept that and cannot what about that one thing I yeah. did wrong back when I was 10 exactly <laughs> until I'm perfect I'm terrible yeah. <laughs> and it's like that's a that's a honestly a terrible mindset and I hope that if anyone else like struggles with that that they seek therapy because therapy has been really great in helping address that and that's why I, I talked I about the it. float tanks but like the float tanks was actually the first time in my life really where I just was able to shut everything out and that inner dialogue flipped from negative to positive. And mm. it was almost like hearing a older sibling or a parent or a deity or something. Yet it was myself starting to say mm. positive things about me. And I don't know why it requires complete isolation, yeah. silence, and feeling like you're floating to achieve that. And so now like my whole goal of therapy is like, how do I cultivate that? all the time. I can't always yeah. be floating in a float tank when I'm at work and dealing with a stressful thing. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah, I totally get it. And 
it's honestly really crippling um, if mm-hmm. I'm being real with you guys. And, but I don't have to accept that at the same time. And so you just mm-hmm. find the tools that work for you. And yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense that that would concentrate on the ones. I think it can permeate probably yeah. a lot of different types. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Although the, that voice might be saying different things. Like I can right. see a lot of nines that might have that voice but I think their voice is telling them different self-critical things, whereas mine's like more the process or the task or the uh, the goal of the achievement, um, mm. you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's also really important to recognize that the inner critic, like if you can see this inner critic as kind of a separate entity to yourself, that's just kind of living in your mind it is a friend and an enemy. So it mm. seems like an enemy because it's like telling you everything that's wrong and how you'll never be good enough and you'll mm. never be perfect. But if you see it in the way of like, this is like somebody who's trying to see me do my best, like this entity mm-hmm. in my head wants to see me succeed. And there's something to be said about having a standard of living and trying to live up to a standard. The downside of it is that if you get obsessed with that and you're not okay if you don't meet the standard, that's going to cause issues. But it's okay to have a high standard and always do your best. And that's what I've, I've come to terms with, like seeing my own inner critic as like, uh, seeing the good sides of it. Like it helps me also because I wouldn't be who I am this is true. if I didn't yeah. have this voice in my head holding me up to these standards. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I have these standards. Yep. The work is being okay when they're not met and yeah. understanding they need to be met all the time. It's keeping that you know? voice in line, like keeping but, that voice yeah. at the right level where it's productive. You know, they say like a certain right. amount of stress actually like sparks your productivity but once it reaches a certain yeah. level it's it's detrimental same thing with that yeah that yeah yeah and I'm sure it's helpful to have like a partner who I know it helps uh my boyfriend helps me because I some, some of these thoughts I don't even realize are so harmful and I say them out loud and when another person says back to you like do you realize what you just yeah. said like yeah. and I'm like you know it gives you that reflection of wow that is kind of kind of mean a sounding board is nice and having a sounding board that's like a different (laughs) type than you is I think super helpful um yeah that you touched on like how it can be a friend and an enemy but it's still a part of you and I guess the way that I've been kind of viewing it lately is you know you probably heard like you have your ego but then you have your soul or some Mm. deep part of you. And to me, it's like my ego, which is still a quintessential necessary part of me, is the critic. And when my ego gets pulled off center, it starts spinning negative thoughts. When I'm hearing that voice in the float tank, that's actually my soul. And I've kind of labeled this like, if you think about your soul as the big I or capital I, whereas your ego is the lowercase or the small I, it's the one that's running around, freaking out, like making shit happen in your daily life. And it's useful, but it doing a lot of this negative self-talk as a means of like, almost like a survival instinct. And it's, it's just misguided. And so you have to find ways to bring the soul or the big eye or whatever you want to call it back into the picture and, and bring those two into harmony. Um, Sorry, I'm like getting very ethereal but um this is the way that my brain has been able to make sense of it Mm -hmm. and so i can try to tap into that more but 
Yes. Yes. Well, awesome. Um, that brings us to the end of our questions, Jordan. Uh, I'm glad you left us with some wisdom about the big eye, little eye. I I mm-hmm. love that, and I hope that people listening can like reflect on that because it's awesome. huge. Glad you liked it. Um. Yeah. I, I I really I really love that. It's good for everyone to kind of hear that perspective and be able to remove those parts of yourself um, and separate them. Um, but thank you so much for being on our podcast. Absolutely. This, this is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I feel really, it's, it's great to be able to talk to someone else who's a type one. I mm-hmm. just like don't know people and it's really interesting and validating to hear like shared experiences. And shared Absolutely. Um, so I thank you for that. No, thanks for having me guys. This has been awesome. And I, I feel similar. Like I don't have a lot of ones that I can identify in my life and I do kind of feel like misunderstood or not like seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great. I, it, it's, I could see your face light up and like when I'm saying this stuff, I was like, <laughs> yes, someone gets it. I love it. Yeah. Feel free to send me the memes anytime. Always, always. And speaking of which, is there, um, do you like to be followed on Instagram? Is there like an Instagram <laughs> we can give the listeners to go find you? I'm going to wanna... pick an alternative route um, mm. and say, I don't let people follow me on social media unless I know them and have talked to them and they're actually my friend. Um, and I don't use social media a lot other than to just put a bunch of memes on there that I think are funny so I can go back and look at them later. So if you try to follow me and I don't know you, I won't, uh, let it happen. So instead I am good buddies with Nate, your type eight. And I am also a a founding member of, uh, Mm -hmm. Seattle cathedral and bar church so go check out what Nate's doing if you like helping people yes. and, um, you know, you can see them at Seattle Cathedral on Instagram. And I'll, I'll do one more shout out if you'll let it let it happen. Um, my buddy mm-hmm. Chase Coleman, he does a podcast called Millennial Way. Uh, it's about um, being a millennial in corporate America. He just got into the TikTok game. He's blowing up. So he's got the podcast. I've actually done an episode on millennial finance on his podcast. And then his TikToks are pretty fire. So I'd say mm. it's, it's a nice, like, how do I be productive and grow in the business world? But also the levity of like lots of good humor and, and interesting guests. So and he's just oh, a cool. good guy in general. So check out at underscore millennial way uh, on Instagram and you can see all this stuff. Awesome. Great. We'll put all the links to all of that in, in the episode description. Sweet. So like always, listeners no excuse it's easy you just click the link you'll be there mm-hmm. um the internet yep give it cathedral give cathedral a look bar church and then check out this podcast that's awesome i know i will be and tiktok well awesome we'll let you go um thank we, you yeah thank you you're welcome thank you guys this was, this was really nice Woo!